All right, well, while you're doing that, we're getting ready to get into the message this morning, but I, I need to, to take a pause and get some things set up. I need some helpers here. Uh, first of all, could, I need my preaching pedestal. Noah, could you bring, thank you, could you bring a pedestal out here for me? I need to get ready to preach this morning. Whoa, that's kind of a tall pedestal. Put that down, let me see. Eh, I don't know, I don't know. I think I need something a little, uh, a little whiter to stand on. I'm a little nervous about that. Do you mind? And Brown, yeah, can you guys get the spotlight out for me? Thank you. Brownie, can you turn that a little bit more this way? Yeah. Up a little bit. Perfect, perfect. All right, that's good. Yeah, let me try that one. Let me see. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it feels good. That feels good. Yeah. Perfect. Hey, honey, did you bring my cape this morning? I noticed I didn't have it on when I came up here. Are you coming? I can't. Mm-hmm. Can you put that on for me? Yeah. And, and did you happen to bring my sunglasses? You, oh, hey, you are, you are a great wife. Yeah, now I can... Almost see everybody. And, uh, and honey, my, uh, yeah, can you guys help me out? This is a little unstable here. I just want to make sure I don't fall off my pedestal this morning. And babe, could you bring me, um, my Bible is uh, a little puny. I need, I need the really fat one so I look like I'm really a man of God. Oh, you're not my honey, but hey, thank you. I couldn't see because the spotlight was in my eyes. All right, are you guys ready to get into the Word this morning? Glad you could be out with us to worship the Lord and I'm just your super pastor, ready to meet all your needs and uh, solve all your problems with the incredible anointing on my life, and I'm hoping that millions will come to someday hear the incredible truth that I have to offer you this morning. Okay, barf bags are being passed out right now, and uh, thank you guys. Let me, let me get off my pedestal this morning. Um, now, some of you are going, you know, pastor... Some of you are thinking, you know, that's the problem with pastors. They think it's all about them. Well, let me just warn you that there's a lot of marriages that look just like that. There's a lot of people. Thank you, my son. Can you take my cape off? Take my cape off, will you? You look good. Hey, thank you. And, and can you guys wheel that spotlight back out here just one more time? Don't, you don't have to plug it in. Just, just wheel it back out here. But I'm telling you that you don't have to be in ministry to make it all about yourself. And let me just say this. Most pastors don't get into ministry for their own egos. It's a two-way street. How many of you know we're really good at putting people on pedestals that shouldn't be on pedestals? But we're also really good at enjoying the, uh, you know, the accolades that come when we're on a pedestal. Bring it all the way out, nice and close. Um, we love being in the spotlight. We love being the one that takes the final shot, that scores. We don't like being the one that passes the ball. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to keep this up here as a, this is called a prop. In case some of you didn't know that. So here's the deal. The whole series of this this message today is about this. Stop focusing the attention on us, on you. You know, there's a lot of unhappy marriages here. Let me tell you why the marriage is unhappy. Because both of you are fighting for the spotlight. And you're going, no, I'm not. You're upset because your needs aren't being met. And when your needs aren't being met, it's because your wife keeps pushing the spotlight somewhere else. Or your husband keeps putting the spotlight somewhere else. You know, any, let me just suggest, say this too, and I, tell me if this is not the truth. Anytime we are dissatisfied, frustrated, unhappy, whatever, uh, the root of all that 
is ultimately that we're still the center of our world. Now, I'm not saying we don't get upset or frustrated. I get upset. How many of you this week got upset or frustrated? You can be honest, okay? I'm not pointing, ah, look at all you sinners. No, that's not what I'm saying. No, I'm saying the, it is so easy to live our lives right here. And we, we don't know that we're doing it, but we really are. And let me just tell you how this works, too. This message that I'm preaching today in the church in America would not be welcomed by most people because you know what? Most people like church and God on their agenda. Now, I'm not talking to you all. Just think of those people that you know, though, all right? They want church and God on their agenda. They don't want Jesus infringing on their schedules. They don't want Jesus messing up their time. Now, can I really mess with you? They don't want Jesus touching their checkbook because at the end of the day Jesus still exists for me but I'm asking you let's do this today in your life and this is a mental shift I want you all to make mentally determined today it's not about me just tell tell your neighbor just turn tell them it's not about me just tell them that some of you pull out your cell phone right now if you're married if you're married pull out your cell phone right now and record that so you have proof all right just record it say that again honey say that again louder or get it on video so you can go back. But guess what? Someone's videoing you too. It's not about me. It's about him and it's about somebody else. I want you to turn to somebody around you that you're not related to and tell them, hey, it's about you. All right? Just tell them that. It's about you. I'm going to turn the spot on you guys this morning, although I won't turn the light on. I'm going to see how well you were listening last Sunday. Actually, if, if, teach, if, if this is a teacher lesson, it's really not about how well you were listening. It's about how well I was teaching last Sunday. I'll take responsibility. Does anybody remember I articulated the mission of this place in two phrases? Anybody remember? Any A students out there? Or anybody want to help me out? Two phrases. Growing people, number one. Let's pause there. Are you committed to being a growing person and to helping other people grow? your enthusiasm is overwhelming all right let me try that again are you committed to being a growing person and to helping some other people younger in the lord grow all right come on no 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 some of you are still observers let's try this again are you committed personally to being a growing person and to helping someone else grow besides you. Yes, come on. And then I said, we have a second part of our mission here at Living Stones. We're, we're a greenhouse, but what else are we doing? Multiplying leaders. Now, Rick Laird is a walking cheat sheet because he's wearing a T-shirt that has the answers right on the front, all right? Hero makers, growing people, multiplying leaders. Pastor, what are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Do you know that the Bible admonishes us that we should be desirous of spiritual gifts, more of them, and that we should be desirous to be serving God's people in leadership capacity in the church? Not with the spotlight on us, but that our desire should be to become mature in God so that we are able to take what we've received and multiply it in the lives of other people. Now, let me just ask you this question. Who, who is this for? Who does that apply to, this whole multiplying leaders thing? That was a question. 
Who does that apply to, being a multiplying leader? Say, Pastor, you're talking to me. Go ahead and say that out loud. Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm ha- this is kind of an interactive. We're, we're trying to really move ahead with our uh, communication skills this morning. I'm messing with you because sometimes if we make it fun, you won't be as mad at me or the Bible. But I'm just telling you, my expectation on you is that this is not a place where you come and hang out and watch the show. You are the show. You are the show. And I mean, you know, in fivefold ministry in Ephesians, it says that pastors exist not to put the spotlight on them and to be the soul winners and the disciple makers and, and uh, to change the world all by myself. We're going to talk about that next week. But I mean, you know, fivefold ministry exists to equip you to do ministry, which means every single person in this auditorium and under the sound of, of my voice this morning, every single one of you should have a vision to get healed, get restored, get things uh, uh, renewed in your brain, get relationships healed, but the end result is that you have something that you can give to somebody else. And I have found this to be true, and any of you that have been at an encounter know that this is the truth. There can be a man or a woman who is a baby Christian, or maybe they get saved at the encounter, and they get rocked by God. And do you know that the minute they get rocked by God, they have something to share with somebody else? Now, we don't put them up on the stage, and we don't tell them to preach to us. Uh, that's, not, that's not wise, the Bible says. They're novices in the faith. But how many of you know, the millisecond after Christ comes into your life, you have something to offer. It is the testimony of a changed life. And why is it that we settle for church attendance? when God is asking us for so much more. God's inviting us to do so much more. You are a hero maker. Being a hero maker is so much more rewarding than being the hero. And I share with you before, there are people, they come into church settings, and this is, this is their approach. I'm God's anointed man. I do the following 10 things well, well, kind of well, and I'm looking for a position here. Can you please recognize my gifting so that you can start using me? They don't say that. But they say that, because here's how they say it. You haven't recognized the incredible giftedness and the hero quality that I share, big Superman on their chest, and so I'm going to go worship somewhere where they do. How many of you know that might be God just simply trying to expose you and your wrong motives? Boy, I've had so many times in my life when I was doing Christian things, Jesus things, things that I was doing for the glory of God, or the Lord exposed the selfishness at the root of my religious veneer. Some of you may have heard my story when I was in grad school out at Regent University, the holy land of the East Coast. I, you know, I thought I'd be walking in gold dust and you know, floating in the air because of the anointing of God. And those two years were, were some of the most wilderness years of my life. I began to question everything, and I got before the Lord, and this was my prayer. Lord! My life is yours. I've submitted it all to you. God, I just want to live for your glory. God, all that matters in my life is you. All I care about is you. God, just speak to me. Show me what it is that you want me to do. I mean, that's a really good prayer. What did I hear? Crickets. So I tried it again. More crickets. They were growing. It was a choir of crickets. (laughs) The Brooklyn Tabernacle Cricket Choir. (laughs) <laughs> and then I started praying more intensely. How I many of you know when, when nothing seems to be happening, you just pray louder? 
And then you start raising your voice and screaming, shaking your fist, cursing the devil, crickets. See, what was God doing? He was letting me ripen. This is what happened. I ended up saying this to the Lord. Could you imagine this? Fine, Lord. Here I am. I spent the last two years and a whole lot of money preparing myself to be used for your glory and your greatness and your honor. And if you want to sit in the heavens and ignore me and be quiet and don't use me, then fine. Be that way. Now, what I didn't say out loud, because this probably would have brought lightning through the ceiling and consumed me in a second, but what I didn't say was, it will be your loss, not mine. <laughs> but this, 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 this is when the Lord spoke. Isn't it a way? He's just waiting. After that wonderful lecture that I gave him, and how he needs to do a better job of allocating my incredible anointing and giftedness, he said this, this is the problem. It's still all about you. Crickets again. How many of you know just a tiny little voice of the Lord? He doesn't have to say a lot, but his words carry weight, and his words are like a knife. How many of you know it's, the Bible says that, that the, uh, the, the punches, so to speak, the wounds from, from a, a friend are better than the kisses, the flattery from enemies? I'm so grateful when God cuts through the veneer, all the religious veneer, and he really exposes that at the end of the day, it's still all about me. Has that ever happened to you? I'm trying to preach the cure, all right? I'm trying to eat the cure myself because we all have the tendency to find that pedestal, do we not? And if it's not us trying to climb on there, it's somebody else trying to put us on the pedestal. And I'm just encouraging us in this series that it's not about us, let's get the spotlight on other people. And I want you to ask yourself this question. It's a hero maker question. $100,000 question. Am I trying to be the hero, or am I trying to make heroes out of others? How about what John the Baptist said about Jesus and about John's ministry? This is John chapter 3, verse 30. I am the bridegroom's friend. I'm Jesus' friend. And look at what he says next. I am filled with joy at his success, Jesus' success. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. How many of you know that the more mature we get in the Lord, the less we love the limelight? We, we look to come behind the scenes. We look to lift other people's burdens. We, we look to meet needs, but we don't need the pats on the back. We don't need all the accolades and attention because we find joy in the joy of Jesus and in the joy of our King. When you hear stories like I just shared about Marion's nephew, it brings joy to us because there's something radical about generosity. There's something radical about making an impact in somebody else's life. That's what hero makers do. That's what John the Baptist did. Isn't it amazing? When John the Baptist was out preaching, thousands and thousands of people gathered around, right, to hear him. But when Jesus, the Lamb of God, showed up, everybody started leaving John and going to follow Jesus. And John's response was this. Hey, it's not about me. I am here to proclaim the coming of the Lamb of God, the Son of God. My job is to get out of the way now, joyfully, so that the bridegroom could take the center attention. I just think this, and I want to encourage us with this. If we can learn the art of hero making, making much out of others, making much out of the success of others, putting the focus on the Lord, 
I just have a feeling God might use this for amazing ways to release his glory and his love and his power uh, on a movement scale that would touch not only this region but the nations of the world. I think the Lord's looking for people who won't steal the spotlight. I think the Lord's looking for people who truly love other people and want to make an impact on other people's lives, who focus on Jesus and what he wants to accomplish in other people. So let me take us this morning to a biblical example of an amazing hero maker. I want you to get your Bibles open to the book of Acts. Open up to um, Acts chapter 11. And I want to talk about Barnabas this morning for a moment. You know, hero makers come alongside other people and they give them permission and encouragement to be all that God made them for. And that's certainly what Barnabas did. He was interested in investing everything that he had to see the full potential of other people released. And, and let me just say this. The thing that was screaming at us when we went on this uh, retreat with these younger leaders is there is a cry in this generation today for mothers and fathers. There was one precious gal there whose mother uh, was dealing with some uh, serious mental torment and actually took her life. So here she's growing up. She's a young, young lady. She's in her early 20s, growing up without a mother. And one of the guys later in the evening just started getting raw and was talking about some of the bitterness that was in his heart and, and, and some inner vows that he made towards, towards his leader. And I said, you know what? Let's gather around this brother. And I said, let's break that vow and let's release forgiveness and let's shift our perspective. And we were just fathering this young man through, through the process. All of a sudden, I hear this incredibly deep, wailing sound of a woman. I mean, one of those cries that comes out of your belly. And how many of you know I didn't even need to turn? I didn't need to look. I didn't need to see what was going on. I knew intuitively what was happening because I'm married to a hero maker. My wife, like a, you know, on a, on a mission, laser-guided mission, went right to this precious girl who's mother had taken her life and hugged her and just started speaking quietly in her ear. No fanfare, no drama, just a big old hug and just started declaring what God was putting on her heart. It wasn't the focus on Marion. It was the focus on this girl that didn't have a mama. You know what happened next? She buried her head in Marion's neck and cried and cried and cried and cried. I mean, you know, that made the whole trip. We could stop right there. That, that made the whole trip. How many people are we surrounded with every day that are so broken, that just need somebody to get their focus off of them and get their focus on what's going on around me and how can I be a laser-guided heat missile full of the Holy Ghost to blow up in somebody's heart? And that's what happened to that girl. That girl's life has been forever rocked by a mother's hug. Can I just share something with you? Some of you are thinking, I need to learn more. I need to study more. No, you don't. You need to love more. You just need to love more. I do too. I'm speaking to myself. I need this. I need that. I need to... No, you don't. You just need to love more. And, and we need to take the gospel and boil it down into simplicity again. It isn't the essence of the gospel really just loving people in Jesus' name? And letting it... Isn't that simple? Pastor, I'm just trying to figure out my calling in life. Let me help you. Love somebody. I don't know what I'm called to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to fit. Love somebody. There's lots of people. There's people in this room right now that are candidates for your loving affection and encouragement. Love somebody. Learn to be good at it. Learn to see the needs around you. Watch what God begins to do. Let's read Acts 11, 
22 through 24. And I want to highlight a few things this morning in the time that we have left. The Bible says, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, this was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, on Gentiles. When they heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, meaning the people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they, were, they, were, they had the evidence of speaking in other tongues, which was the evidence that the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon them. It's not the only evidence, but I believe it is a clear evidence of what God was doing. So when they arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, notice the heart of Barnabas, the hero maker. He was filled with joy. And what did Barnabas do? He encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. And look what it says about Barnabas, the hero maker. Barnabas was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was strong in faith. And look what happened as a result. Many people were brought to the Lord. Let me highlight a few things, about seven things just from this passage, and I'm not going to go into much detail, so don't worry. Uh, I'm not going to keep you here all day, but I want to highlight seven things. First of all, notice it says that Barnabas was sent. Can I encourage you that God's agenda in the earth today is still, his plan A is still the local church. There is order, there is spiritual gifting, there is authority, there is an assignment, there is a corporate mission. Remember I shared with you last Sunday Your purpose and mission in life has an individual aspect, but you're part of a global corporate aspect, meaning your gift isn't just for you. Your gift is for us. God didn't gift you to put the spotlight on you so it could be all about you. God gifted you to bless us. And I remind my children all the time as they've been growing up that whatever natural gifting that you have, you can't claim any credit for it. You know, like all these track people that are really fast. Mary, you know what I'm talking about. Like people that can just run like the wind. I remind my son who can run, many of my sons who could run like the wind. Dude, be happy. You did nothing for that. Joel, you did nothing to be able to run like the wind. God made you with the ability to run fast. So what's the conclusion? Run for his glory. God made you to be able to sing like a beautiful bird. So what do you do with your voice? You sing for the glory of God. Well, guess what? Barnabas was sent, meaning he was sent on an assignment. There's still something powerful about being in order, about being under authority, about moving as a sent one, because we say this all the time. When you see us lay hands on people here and send them, they're not going out in their own strength. They're going out in the corporate anointing of the house. In other words, it is, your anointing is supersized. We got all these people that badmouth the church, all these people that badmouth authority. You know, let me just say this. It's not about titles, but when people come up to a a leader in the church and call them by their first name, hey, Joe, well, that's nice. You you know, you, you have Joe as your friend, but if he's Pastor Joe, why not honor the anointing on his life so that you get the anointing of fivefold ministry that flows through the man? It's not about the man. It's about the calling of God and the assignment of God. So don't get all comfortable like, oh, we're all the same. And all, yeah, we're all the same. We all put our underwear on the same way. I get it. We all stand at, this, at the foot of the cross and we receive the same blood of Jesus. There's, there's not any like superstars, but listen, there is spiritual authority. And there is fivefold ministry. And, and to the degree that we acknowledge it, we get the blessing of it. Now that's for somebody anyway. Um, but he was sent. Look at the second thing it says about Barnabas. He's an encourager. In fact, his name isn't Barnabas. That was his nickname. I think his real name was Joseph. He was the son of encouragement. How many of you would like to be 
given a nickname that highlights how much of a, an awesome uh, hero maker you are. Hey, Bonnie, son of encouragement, you know. Hey, Greg, rock of faith, you know, I'm whatever it is. Uh, don't you want people to be calling you by some amazing Holy Spirit induced gifting or anointing that's on your life. Barnabas was an encourager. Now let me just encourage you. If you're going to be a hero maker, you got to start looking at the glass half full and start speaking life over people and quit speaking death, living in the past, and cursing yourself. That was for somebody else today too. Encourage somebody. Find somebody that you can just bless. In fact, let me just tell you, this is a learned art. When you come to be with God's people, the Bible says, don't stop fellowshipping. Don't have a bad habit of not coming together because a root of bitterness can get in your heart. Well, how do you keep a root of bitterness out? You look on what God is doing in your life. You declare what God's doing. And listen to me, you find somebody in this place that you can encourage. How about this? The drummer, who happened to be my son this morning, the drummer comes off the stage and somebody over here, let's say it was Joe Elisea, who by the way is a great encourager. I, I have to tell you, I shared this weekend about the prophetic thing that you did in my life with balloons after a time of great pain through tears because, listen to me, when you encourage somebody at a moment when they are at their lowest, hear this, they never, ever forget it. So Joe gets off the stage, and Joe comes around because we're a family church anyway, gives him a high five, gives him a big hug, and says, man, I just so appreciate every time you're up there on the drums. What a blessing that you beat those drums for the glory of God. Appreciate you. Hey, how hard was that? Or how about this wonderful uh, pianist up here was Rebecca this morning. Rebecca, thank you for all your investment. Man, every week you guys lead the way in worship. Can't thank you guys enough for for what you do. How about the smiling person at the door that's always there to greet you? How about sneak up on them and say, ha, ha, I'm going to greet you first. Hey, some of you need to lighten up. You're still not smiling and we're trying to have fun this morning. Find somebody to encourage Which is why I told you, why is it that we have an expectation that every single one of you would be serving in this house somewhere? It's because, listen, encouraging happy people, people that give their lives away, are hero-making people. And if you'll do it, you're going to be incredibly blessed. So you can thank us later that we're encouraging you to serve God's people. Because if you'll be a people server... You know, my dad used to go to the same gas station, go to the same bank, go to the same everything, and he did it intentionally, not because he was a creature of habit, but because he was habitually looking to build relationships with people 30 seconds at a time. And it was amazing to me how he'd be having a conversation about the clerk at Speedway's marriage (laughs) while he's handing the credit card, pump number five. How does he do that? Because every time he comes in there, he's looking for some way to give life to somebody. He's kidding with people. He's talking to people. Let me just tell you this. Some of you are like, well, I'm an introvert. I'm not a chatty Kathy. Well, guess what? We got to learn to talk more. How many of you know that's a learned skill? I told you I'm an introvert, but guess what I'm doing right now? I'm learning to talk more. Some of you go, I wish you would learn to talk less. But hey, I'm learning to, I, I I had to grow into this. Find somebody that you can notice. Tell your kids. Practice on your kids. How many spouses in this room would love it if their spouse just simply said, I don't tell you this enough, but I so appreciate, and you fill in the blank. I'm telling you, this will rock your marriage. If you made a lifestyle out of this, you'd be the happiest married person on the planet. I'm just telling you. Barnabas was an encourager. Next point. 
Bible says Barnabas was a good man. It means he had character. Barnabas is anointed. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Barnabas is mature, meaning he's strong in his faith. Barnabas is fruitful. The Bible says here many people come to Jesus. And this is not in this passage, but in in, uh, Acts 4.37, earlier in the book, it says this about Barnabas. He sold a field that he owned, and he brought the money to the apostles. Now, for a while, I was dealing with people that were coming up to me, and this is a super spiritual, uh, unsubmitted uh, perversion of the gospel. Well, pastor, we, we don't believe in giving to the church or tithing to the church because we want our money to go to faces. I said, what do you think we do with the money here? Give it to non-faces? What does this ministry exist for? It exists for faces, not only faces here, faces there, faces in the nations of the world where we're working. How many of you know the ministry is all about faces? But see, it wasn't really about faces. It was about control. Some of you are going, oh, gosh, he started off so good, and now he's messing. No, the real issue is about control. What did Barnabas do when he sold the field? Where did he bring it? Who are they? They're people that have legitimate spiritual authority and should be, should be trusted to handle money. I tell people this in our New Believers class all the time. Don't come to this church if you cannot trust me to handle money correctly. Because if I can't handle money, why in the world would you trust me to disciple you and care for your soul? So can we just settle that issue? I'm, I'm releasing all of you that might have a concern, all right? If you want to look at my checkbook, I will bring it and I'll let you look at it. I'm not kidding. I'll show you and you can look at it. Uh, you can look at my lifestyle. Come on! We have got to elevate above this. He takes his field, sells it, brings it to the apostles. Why? Because the apostles were going to distribute it where there was needs and use it for the furtherance of the gospel. God's looking for generous people. God's looking for people that are lovers. God's looking for people that take the resources that have been put in their hands and willingly invest it in the kingdom of God. Have we got any people like that in this room? Are you guys going to smile at me? I'm not being mad this morning. I'm just, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, this is good teaching, I'm telling you. <laughs> Two of you believe me. All right. I'm trying to help you all be hero makers. Look what Paul did, though, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26. I'm sorry, what Barnabas did as it relates to Paul. It said, when Saul, who that was his earlier name before he got rocked by God, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him (laughs) for good reason. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord. He talked about Saul's supernatural encounter with Jesus, the risen Lord, on the way to Damascus. And how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. In fact, that preaching resulted in, the, in this. There was a plot that came after, after his message trying to kill him. How many of you know when you find one of your brothers or sisters who has been so transformed that they're now publicly identifying with Jesus and people are trying to kill them, that's pretty good fruit. But the disciples were freaking out, and the early church was scared to death of Paul for good reason, because he had killed and imprisoned and done nasty things to a whole bunch of people. Let me ask you this question. Where would we be today if Barnabas was not a hero maker with Paul? Because here's what he did. Greg, come up here and be Paul for me. 
Give Greg a hand. He wasn't You didn't even prepare for this, did you? You're such a hero maker. You're being such a hero maker. This is Saul, the person who's violently murdering, imprisoning the church, breathing out fiery insults and on and on and on and on. He's on a terror against the church. Look at him. All of a sudden, he has an encounter with Jesus. Jesus, the hero maker. You have an encounter with Jesus. You're a changed man. He starts preaching Christ boldly. I'm Barnabas. I'm sitting on the front row of the church service going, that is Saul. This dude rocks. This isn't the same guy that I knew. I'm looking at the anointing on his life. So what do I do? I bring him to church with me. You're all scared to death. Look at that sinner that's with Pastor Ron. I know that guy's background. I know his reputation. I know what he used to do. Why do they even let people like that in this nice church? You all know somebody just like that. I know you do. And this is what I say to you guys. This guy's legit. This guy's the real deal. This guy's had a supernatural encounter with Jesus. He's not the same man. In fact, I heard him preach just last week, and it was so anointed, and so many people gave, came, gave their lives to the Lord. It was so, it, it, it turned the community upside down, and the religious leaders put a, put, a, put a plot out to kill him and to assassinate him. We need to believe in this man. Hey, where were we before Christ changed us? Some of you in this room were the same way. Some of you in this room, I know your past. I know what you were involved in. But you know what? Jesus Christ changed you. And if you didn't have someone to believe in you, uh, then where would you be? So I'm admonishing you right now. Love Greg with me. Let's accept him into this church. Let's believe in him. Let's exalt the gifts in him and Christ in him. Let's be someone that lifts people up and not someone that pulls people down. What do you all say? So... That's what Barnabas did to this man named Saul, who became Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, caught up into the third heaven, uh, missionary journeys all across the world. And where would we be if Barnabas hadn't believed in his brother? And check this out. Who is more famous biblically, Paul or Barnabas? Paul, by a long shot. But here's the cool thing about hero makers. Our scorecard is not about how famous I become. If you're a hero maker, your scorecard is all about how Christ can flow through me to lift as many people up even higher than I would ever go myself. You know, I, again, you don't know church people like this, but, you know, someone's up on the keyboards and you came to the church for the first time and what are you doing if you're a keyboard player? Well, I, I'm better than that. I mean, they should, if they, as soon as they discover my gifting, I'm sure I will be up there on that stage blessing God's people because God, God knows I'm anointed like crazy in the area of worship. No, that is a hero mentality. That is not a hero maker mentality. See, if you're the hero all the time, you're going to live with jealousy, comparison. Now, I know these things don't happen at church, but <laughs> jealousy, comparison... How come they are not recognizing me? How come I'm not being used? How come I never get to go? I can preach better than Pastor Ron. I should be the pastor of this church. Well, I know, but you're not. So chill, help me out. Lift me up. I need it. So here's my point. Um, Where would we be if there wouldn't have been a Barnabas? Thank God for Barnabas. And it wasn't about Barnabas. But here's the thing. We haven't even seen. We haven't even seen heaven yet in the eternal reward and perspective that God's going to give. What about these little intercessor Precious people that are hidden in closets praying for all of us. 
that we never even see. And one of us might have the privilege of standing on stage and preaching the gospel to multitudes, but we didn't realize that the fruit of all that came from the people that were in secret on their knees before God, crying out to God. But, but listen to me, the day is coming when Jesus, the hero maker, is going to say, let me show you how all this is really working. We're going to meet some heroes in the next world that we didn't even know existed in this world. So let me ask you this question as we're closing here. Who is it in your life, when you think back, who is it that has been a hero maker for you? It's a great question, isn't it? Like if you were looking back at your spiritual journey, are there people that invested in you that you need to thank? Now I'm going to give a, a cool example here. Joel was talking about when he was in high school. This is, this is a completely like non-spiritual example, but it's a good one. Uh, you had, was it a coach or a teacher that, and what was the, what was the car? Pontiac Solstice. It was a hot car, and the Johnson family was not known for hot cars. But Joel had a coach who, when it came time for the dance, that was when you were seeing your little wife-to-be, okay, when Joel was pursuing Carly's heart, this coach handed him the keys to his hot rod car. Now, Joel had this epiphany moments ago, like last week. Why did that guy hand me the keys to his car? when I wouldn't have given keys to myself to anybody's car at that season of my life. But here's what, and you know this is the Holy Spirit. Joel said, I need to go back to that coach and thank him because in that girl's eyes, he was making a hero out of me. You see what I'm saying? He was making a hero out of me. Thank God I didn't have to drive my dad's car. That would have been so uncool. You hearing what I'm saying? Who are the people in your life who believed in you when no one else believed in you? How about this? Who are the people in your life who forgave you when you did them wrong? And they said, you know what, I forgive you. And they didn't hold it against you. They lifted you up. Who are the people when you're feeling like, I can't do this, they're like, oh, you're going to be great. I've never done this before. Hey, you're going to be able to do it. Hey, if you, you know, here's what I did this weekend. I gave our phone numbers away to 18 you know, what was it, nine couples or so, and I said, look, we are committed to your success in ministry. Call us up anytime. You need encouragement. You need a father. You need a mother. You need someone to believe in you. You need someone to pray with you. Call us up. Pastor, you shouldn't give away your personal phone number. Why? Am I trying to be inaccessible? Or am I trying to be a hero maker? Am I trying to be the hero? Or am I trying to be the hero maker? Does this make sense to everybody? Who are you trying to be? Who is it in your life? In fact, this is a homework assignment. Can we give homework assignments out in church? Yes. All right. There should be several people this week that you take the time to call up and just say, you know what? You have been a hero maker in my life. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for leading me to Christ. Thank you. You know, I told this story. When my mom and dad got the left foot of fellowship out of their church, some of you have had the left foot of fellowship. That's, that's the opposite of the right hand of fellowship. It's the left foot of fellowship, meaning get out of here. They got the left foot of fellowship. Decades later, that pastor who had wounded them so much was eating breakfast with his wife. And the Holy Spirit said this, go thank that man for all that he taught you. This person was vicious to my mom and dad. And you know what their offense was? They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
this pastor went to my dad's workplace with the elders while he was teaching in the public school and demanded he sign a letter of resignation while all the students in his class were watching. And now, isn't it just like God to ask my dad to get up in that restaurant and to go tell that pastor how much he loves and appreciates all that he poured in his life. So my dad and mom get up. They walk over to the table, walk up to this man, and say, hey, thank you for all the years you taught me the Bible. I was a new Christian. I didn't know the Bible. Thank you for all those years you poured into my life. The man's wife starts bawling. I mean, sobbing. And when she finally catches her breath, she says this, and this is a tragedy. You're the first person that has ever thanked my husband for his investment in their life. Now, can I tell you something else? When Pastor Appreciation Month would roll around here, there was one year when my dad said this to me. If this is Pastor Appreciation, I vote next year that we skip it. Now, I'm not sharing this for Pastor Appreciation. I'm giving this as an example. There are people in your life that need to hear how grateful you are that they believed in you and still believe in you. And you need to thank them that the investment in their life will not go unused, will be taken seriously, and that you believe that you're going to be able to take what they gave you and you're going to be able to give it to somebody else. Because that's what hero makers do. I, I hope you guys are getting this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about us. It's about him. It's about impact. What would happen this week, just this week, if every one of our Livingstones family just intentionally loved somebody and tried to figure out where they are in their journey with Christ and just tried to meet some needs in their life. You know, I don't know if Tammy's here this morning, but our neighbor across the street right over here who we have loved on for years, we pull up in the drive, driveway the other day and she's wearing her Elstones t-shirt, bright maroon, I said, or not maroon, but green. green, yeah, that's what it is, that was close. Um, <laughs> she, she's wearing, I said, it looks like she's rocking one of our Elstones shirts. Here's what's happened. She went from being unchurched and unconnected to being connected and part of the family. And it wasn't that it was a shirt, but the shirt let me know she's identifying with home. Isn't that cool? Now, I didn't even have time to get into this, but can I just tell you John 14, 12? What is John 14, 12? It's it's the most famous, favorite verse of every charismatic who's ever lived. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and greater works! And how have we interpreted that verse? Now, let me just tell you, I've stumbled on this verse many times. Greater works than Jesus. Jesus calmed storms. Jesus walked on water. Jesus cast devils out of people. Jesus raised dead people. Jesus' track record on healing was perfect. Um, And I'm going to do greater works than him. Let me tell you where we go wrong. First of all, instead of interpreting it in the plural... We make it about me. I'm going to do greater works than Jesus. This, you're not the hero. Jesus is the hero. What are the greater works? Are you going to, what are you going to do to get an encore on raising someone from the dead? Now, let me just mention this. 
Pastor, are you saying you don't believe that we're called to heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's all the stuff we're called to do. But what does it mean to do greater things than Jesus? I think what Jesus is saying, and this is what Jesus modeled, how did Jesus spend the majority of his time on planet Earth in the three years that he was in public ministry? What was he doing? Was he, was he in the large crowds or was he in small group? Small group. In fact, how often was he in small group? 75% of the time. Jesus wasn't on the stage doing the crusade. He was in a small group with 12 men talking about what had just happened and investing his life in them. Because listen, how were they going to do more? They were going to do more because he was going to teach them to be a hero. And they were going to teach somebody else. They were going to become hero makers and teach somebody else how to do this stuff. Isn't this cool? The way we're going to reach the nations and bring the Great Commission to the the great conclusion and and make it a closed deal is not because I'm going to be the hero. It's because we're going to multiply what God's done in our lives. It's going to spread like wildfire across the nations of the world. It already is. Please don't listen to the mainstream media. Um... We're winning all over the planet, and we're going to win. The gospel is spreading everywhere. Jesus is uncontainable, and he's unstoppable. His, his people and his church are the victors. Please don't ever get that confused. Um, we are winning, and we're winning big because we're with the hero himself, Jesus. But Jesus wants to make us heroes. Isn't it interesting? He sent out to 70, remember? He sent out to 12. What do you do? He says, you're going to go do the same stuff I've been doing. Remember that? And they were like, no way. And he's like, way. It's going to be awesome. And remember when they came back and they said, you will not believe what just happened. What was Jesus' response? It says he was filled with uncontrollable joy. He was like, that is so awesome, Christine. You rocked it. Give me a You need to picture Jesus like that. Yes. Great job. Then remember that one scene? They're calling fire down from heaven to burn everybody up. And he's like, no, no, no. Guys, come here, come here, come here. We're not calling fire down from heaven to burn people up. That's not why I'm here. So what was he doing the whole time? Coaching people. And, and notice his joy was so full when, when we do what? When we ask him and when we take the anointing on our life and we give it away. What's one of the most prominent signs of the Holy Spirit in somebody's life? Joy unspeakable. What does God do? He takes up his spirit. He gives it away. What comes out of us? Joy. What comes out of the Father's heart? Incredible joy. Can I just get, let me just bring it right down. As a parent, what gives you the most joy? How about when your kids love Jesus, follow Jesus, embrace God's plan for their life, fly the nest, become successful in pursuing God's purpose for life? You're like, I'm I'm a happy man. I'm a happy man. And how about this? They take my shoulders and they stand on my shoulders and they go higher. I'm not like, oh, I don't want you to be a better preacher than me. When my son's preaching and he's preaching good, I'm not going, man, this makes me insecure. I mean, you know, hey, I'm your dad. No, I'm like, preach on, son. Let the Holy Ghost take you to a whole other level. I get to be your dad. I'm not Ronnie Johnson's dad. Hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? I'm Joel Johnson's dad. I'm whatever my kid. I'm their dad. That's my new title. I'm dad. Because there's nothing more fulfilling than being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother and watching people go higher than you. Has anybody got a vision for this? I'm doing my best. I'm I'm trying to get this guy right on you guys. It was right on all of you this morning, all right? All of you hero makers, there you are, there you are, there you are, there you are. I see you, 
I see you. Oh, dip, dip, there's Terry. Adam, come on. You've just begun, Adam. God has great things in store for you. The spotlight is on you. Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray for you guys. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, what a beautiful, beautiful family you've created by your power and your glory. Lord, thank you for bringing us to you. I just pray if you're here today, you don't know Jesus. What an invitation. I just told you God is waiting to pull you up, to heal you, to restore you, to give you direction and purpose and a life that is abundant. And so I want to encourage you if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, please don't leave. We have people here that will be up front joining me. In fact, if we could have our prayer team come up right now, we want to pray for you. If you're here today and you have any kind of need, uh, we're here again. It's not about us. It's about what Christ is doing in you. We are committed to your success. We invite you to come forward. In fact, I know some of you that I mentioned earlier that are dealing with serious situations. Please come forward as the Bible instructs us to anoint you with oil, to lay hands on you, to pray that God would heal you and deliver you from what you're going through. So please, if you're dealing with that, come forward. Lord, I just commit ourselves, our church family, to this process of becoming heroes in other people's lives. Use us for your glory, God. And Father, may the wildfire of your crazy love spread across this region right here and around the nations of the world. Continue to glorify yourself, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And every hero maker said, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. We love you, Lord.